Hey guys, Jesse Newell from the Kansas City Star. This is going to be a solo episode of the Sports Beat KC podcast. In this episode, I'll talk a little bit to you about what's happened last week with KU Athletics. That starts off with late night. KU basketball gets a commitment from a point guard. And then also talk about the football team. Uh, last week's loss to Oklahoma State in an upcoming game against West Virginia. Before we get out to all that, let's get to a quick break and a word from our sponsor, which happens to be us. Hey, it's Blair Kirkhoff, and if you're listening to this, you love Kansas City sports, whether it's the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting, Mizzou, KU, or K-State, and no one covers these teams like the Kansas City Star. If you currently subscribe to the paper or have a digital subscription, thank you for your support. And if you don't, here's a great offer. It's called Sports Pass, unlimited digital access to every sports story and video on KansasCity.com. And it's just $30 for the first year. It's the best sports value in town. Just eight cents a day or two fifty a month. You can't beat that. Subscribe now at KansasCity.com/sportspass. The big news of this past week for Kansas basketball fans was the unofficial start to the basketball season, which was late night in the fog held at Allen Fieldhouse. Uh, a lot of skits, a lot of things you can find out on the social media, on Facebook and Twitter. Bill Self doing his best Matthew McConaughey impression, which brought some laughs, and I know uh, a lot of people enjoyed that. But obviously a big night for recruiting as well, and uh, that showed up just right after late night because on Monday, KU got its second commitment in the class of 2019 from Isaac McBride. He's a point guard from Arkansas Little Rock, or Little Rock, Arkansas, I should say, out of high school. Uh, averaged 24.5 points, 4 rebounds, 2.5 assists, and 1.6 steals per game for Arkansas Baptist Prep. He's ranked the 109th ranked player in rivals uh, recruiting for 2019 and becomes the second commit in the class, joining Christian Brown uh, from here no- nearby Kansas City for KU. And so for KU, we know this happens with late night. You know, you get all the the glamour and the uh, the festivities of late night and filling 16,300 people into the building, and it really is one of KU's best recruiting tools, and we see this again. Now, the interesting thing with McBride, who considers himself a combo guard, he's really risen up the ranks here lately, and a lot of people giving him, including uh, Eric Bosti of Rivals.com, a little bit of a Frank Mason comparison, and McBride himself said that Bill Self, when they spoke in some you know, recruiting uh, type scenarios just said hey that he kind of reminded him of that when he first started out so you'll sort of see those comparisons with McBride but Kansas right now is in an interesting situation with its scholarship uh, w- with its scholarships and the fact that only LeGerald Vick for sure is leaving next year but KU still should have plenty of scholarships to give if you look up and down the roster you can see a lot of guys that should be turning pro after this season you could start with Yudoka Azubuki Diedrich Lawson is a is another one that should be on that list. Quentin Grimes as well, uh, almost certainly going to end up in the lottery for next year's NBA draft unless something unexpected happens. So there's going to be a lot of open scholarships coming this next year. So Bill Self having to look already in the future to reload, even without those scholarships in hand to hand these guys, he knows a few of the guys are leaving Lawrence after this season. So McBride becomes the second commitment for Kansas in this 2019 recruiting class and expect KU and Bill Self to continue looking hard uh, for more players as they try to fill in, kind of backfill into some of these positions for the 
2020 season. That brings us to late night in the fog too. Uh, 15 minute scrimmage and uh, Bill Self spoke to Jayhawk Network TV as the game was going on and obviously he's referred to this in the past as brother-in-law ball. He really hates these sorts of scrimmages because there isn't much defense play, there isn't much structure. Guys sort of try to show off for the fans, that sort of thing and Bill Self was kind of his normal grumpy self and for good reason because the basketball, the 15 minute running clock basketball was not very good in that final uh, in that scrimmage at the end of late night. But one positive, and I wrote about this at KansasCity.com, you guys can check out the, the story on it, was uh, Yudoka Azubuki got to attempt a free throw. And even though that free throw missed, you could tell the form was different with him this year than it was in years past. If you remember, and I've got a video on there if you guys want to check it out, in the past, Yudoka kind of shot the ball up. It was a little bit more two-handed, using both hands at the same time. And then he'd always kind of fall off to one side. He'd either be leaning right, or he'd be leaning left, or he'd be leaning forward. He just never ha- didn't look like he had a good feel for where the ball was going or a good sense of balance when he was shooting the basketball. And again, though this free throw missed at late night, I think it's sort of a big deal because Bill Self talked very glowingly of Yudoka about the offseason he's, he's, off he's had and also trying to correct... Uh, or or help out his mechanics over this past year. And so I thought some interesting comments from, from Bill Self on the broadcast and then afterwards saying that he thinks 60% from the free throws is a, real, a realistic goal for Yudoka Azabuki this coming season. And remember, last year he was at 41%. So if we're talking 60% compared to 41% with as many free throws as Yudoka Azabuki shoots for this Kansas team getting fouled inside, that could be you know a free point per game if you're Kansas. And it also would do a lot toward alleviating some of the problems KU had late in games, especially against at you know especially at Oklahoma where uh, Lon Kruger, the coach, decided to do a, a hack-a-doke strategy, which ended up working out where the Sooners came from behind and defeated the Jayhawks. But if you don't get that, that stroke to 60%, 65%, you know, maybe even 70%, that would be pie-in-the-sky sort of thing. That could be a great help to not only KU's offense this upcoming year and the efficiency there. It'd also be a help, great help to Yudoka Azubuki when it comes to his NBA draft status because there are already some questions about, you know, how could he play in this NBA game where he, he can't venture too far away from the basket and isn't as comfortable. But, you know, another big question for him is being able to make shots uh, away from the basket and, and make those shots at the free throw line that he will have at both this level and the next one. So if he can get up to 60%, that would show a heck of a lot of growth in that area. Next, turning on to KU football last week, losing 48-28 to Oklahoma State. Kind of an interesting game in, in all aspects for KU because the thing that we'd been expecting from the Jayhawks early in the season was that their defense was really improved and pretty good, and that the offense was lagging behind. And you, you saw a reversal of these two roles coming up uh, last Saturday. KU started Carter Stanley at quarterback. He was the third-string quarterback coming into the week, had only seven pass attempts for the entire season, had only gotten in during garbage time. He becomes the first Jayhawk this year to play an entire game without someone else subbing him in. And the raw stats look good. 24 of 32, 247 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Nobody in David Beatty's 42 games as head coach at KU has thrown for at least three touchdowns and no interceptions in a game. And nobody has completed more than 75% of their passes if they had more than 15 pass attempts. So in that way, Carter Stanley, very impressive with with what he's able to do. Uh, Still David Beatty, not too... Uh, not too quick to give him a bunch of praise after the game, saying that he would need the tape to go over and look at it and see if Carter Stanley deserved the start uh, coming up on Tuesday, and, or coming up, I'm sorry, next week. And on Monday at the Big 12 teleconference, uh, David Beatty announced that Carter Stanley would be his starting quarterback. And it's worth pointing out that all the numbers did not love what Stanley did because a lot of the throws he made were behind the line of scrimmage 
or to the side. He also took five sacks, and some of those, uh, a lot of those, can be more pinpointed on the quarterback than it can the offensive line because it's more of a quick passing game read, and even Carter Stanley has admitted that he made some bad reads there. A couple things to consider, though, with that. Number one, Carter Stanley was sick during this game. He threw up before it. He kind of got the 24- to 48-hour flu bug, so he was not 100% in there, and he also had not had first-team reps with KU he said since six or seven weeks earlier, uh, the second week before this, uh, before fall camp ended. So it had been a long time since Carter Stanley had gotten in there and actually been the first-string quarterback for Kansas. You can expect him to probably miss some reads in that regard. But one thing and one major thing he brought to Kansas, and I think Stephen Sims spoke to this very well, a wide receiver for KU who had 10 catches in the game, is the amount of energy he brings and bringing some enthusiasm to both the team and the sideline. And Stephen Sims brought up a play couple years ago when KU defeated Texas at Memorial Stadium where Carter Stanley was running down the field and instead of trying to juke a Texas safety and we know how Texas's safeties look they look like NFL safeties big Mack truck like guys Carter Stanley simply tried to run him over and Steven Sims says hey who what are the quarterbacks try to run over safeties nobody does you, you, he's like you guys don't know anybody that does that but Carter Stanley does do that and so um, I think that sort of thing can bring life to teammates can bring life uh, and energy to uh, other guys and guys on the sideline. And I think you saw in this last game, there was some talk uh, at the press conference on Tuesday about a block that Carter Stanley threw for Steven Sims. He threw a, a screen pass out to him, and Steven Sims decided to cut it back, and Carter Stanley looked and found basically the biggest defensive lineman that Oklahoma State had on the field to try to go and block him, and got him well enough that Steven Sims could go forward and move nine yards. And that energizes people when you see somebody trying that hard and showing those sort of leadership qualities on the field. So even if Carter Stanley is not the most technically sound quarterback, and I don't think anybody will say that he is, and even if he doesn't or can't complete all the throws, I think he gave KU something maybe it hadn't had in previous weeks, uh, just maybe from an intangible standpoint, and the team scored 28 points, which that's a legitimate thing. That's the second highest total in a Big 12 game that KU has had. Uh, in David Beatty's era, 34 last year against West Virginia was the number one game, and that's when Khalil Herbert went crazy with his uh, over 200-yard rushing game. So uh, KU learned something and gained something from having Carter Stanley out there. was not perfect. He said that he still needs to make better reads. David Beatty has repeatedly said he needs to make better reads. And then something interesting that uh, Carter Stanley said he actually learned he was a starting quarterback this week from Twitter. Uh, myself and some other reporters out there, when David Beatty announced it on the Big 12 teleconference, tweeted it out. I think Carter Stanley follows a few of us on social media, so he learned he was a starting quarterback from us and not from no other way, so he said it was fine and kind of chuckled when he was asked about it, but he was going to prepare the same, he said, either way. This way he knows early on that he's going to be the starting quarterback. Kind of an interesting tie. His mother went to West Virginia, so he grew up a little bit as a uh, West Virginia Mountaineers fan, had sort of dreamed about playing in that stadium in Morgantown, and grew up watching Pat White and, and guys like that growing up, so um, kind of an interesting subplot to go with this for Carter Stanley to get his second start of the season and for KU to perhaps get some stability a position that has not had much stability over the course of time. Real quickly, let's get to uh, Carter Stanley and some of his comments today uh, about the quarterback position. And I just mentioned this about the block thrown on, uh, on, on a big guy for Oklahoma State. Let's hear from Carter Stanley talking about that block and what went through his mind just before he threw it. I think it was actually just like a, a fast screen last week. Um, I threw it out to him and, you know, kind of got crowded for him. So he cut it back. He was coming my way. I saw, of course, like their biggest dude on defense. I was like, geez, here we go. But, uh, you know, honestly, just tried to get in the way of him. Uh, wasn't necessarily a textbook block, but, you know, just got in the way of him. And 
luckily uh, Steven was able to get some more yards out of it. it came up in film room though, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, they uh, they acknowledged it, which is which is sweet. But uh, no, I just just try to do my best to get in as well. So what did they acknowledge? Was good block, bad block? They tried to block. It was, was it? it was it was a good effort. <laughs> it was a good effort, not the best technique. Um, but uh, it was actually uh, there's a few guys on that play that they pointed out, um, just like because it wasn't your most like fundamental play. It wasn't your most routine play. It was just like throwing a screen out there, and once again he cut it back. But there was like three guys. I think it was myself, Puka, and. Uh, I can't remember the other one, but we kind of just each found our own man to block and, you know, allowed Stephen to get a few more yards. So, again, those words from Carter Stanley, KU's quarterback, talking about seeking out contact maybe uh, when he shouldn't do that, and he kind of laughed about that when he when talking with us. KU going up against West Virginia this week, one of the biggest underdogs it'll be this season. West Virginia has moved up to top 10 in the polls. Also have Will Greer, a Heisman candidate quarterback, who has thrown for the second most passing yards per game in the nation. So it'll be a tough test for KU's defense in particular that got burned down the field against Oklahoma State. They really seem to have missed Ricky Thomas, who stepped in and provided some stability at safety. He's going to be out another week with an injury. They've moved Hassan de- defense. Uh, the safety, that, or I'm sorry, the cornerback they've had to kind of a safety nickelback tor- sort of role, and he's really struggled the last two weeks. Pro Football Focus has given him failing grades the last two weeks, and it's been pretty obvious from watching the film that uh, he's given up some big plays, and some of the things have been his responsibility. So look for Clint Bowen to not only try to get that short up and keep their furthest defender past the furthest receiver on the other team, but also KU only five sacks this year, and I know that uh, Clint Bowen in the offseason did some studying of Iowa State's defense and how they worked uh, last season and tried to basically get mostly a three-man rush and then play a bunch of interesting and unique coverages in the backfield to try to, or the defensive backfield, to try to, to confuse quarterbacks and force them into mistakes just because the Big 12 is such a pass-happy conference. Even having said that, the Jacks need to wiggle free a little bit more to get some more pressure on the quarterback because if that's going to work, you still need to, to have a quarterback bother. And we've seen the last two weeks when uh, a Big 12 foe has gone against Kansas and had time to sit back in the pocket, read things, or scramble uh, in the case of Brewer with Baylor or in the case of Cornelius last week with Oklahoma State. When he's had time to sit back there and, and pick out his receiver, he could break down the, the zone coverage or the types of coverages he was getting from KU and, and able to find receivers down the field. So KU will have to be better in that regard. I would expect a few more blitzes from Kansas. Again, that's not something they've shown on film this that often, but I would not expect a coaching staff to sit here after all the struggles that happened last week and do the very same thing again to watch themselves get torched by another team that is very high-flying, one of the top offenses in the Big 12. 28.5 points uh, favorite for West Virginia. You kind of look at this in two ways. I think if you're a Kansas fan, number one, um, for KU, I think it would be tough to have a defensive performance just as bad as last week. I would expect the defense to be improved. However, the second thing, and this is something I talked about two weeks ago when the Baylor game, the Jayhawks in recent history have just been so poor on the road and especially so poor on the road in Big 12 play. Uh, I know they beat Central Michigan to end the long road losing streak that was an FBS record, but even then, if you went back before the Baylor game, the previous 30 games that KU played on the road in the Big 12 KU was 9-21 and against the spread, and only two of those games were they are single-digit underdogs. So getting on the road and overcoming adversity and keeping the energy up and making sure that one bad play doesn't result in a bunch of other bad plays and a bunch of guys dropping their heads and saying, here we go again, I still think that's a huge obstacle for this program 
uh, you know, to overcome at this point. And if, if that's something that can kind of be a half step or a mini step for this program to take, it's something that it definitely could show against West Virginia if this becomes maybe a 14 or 21 point game compared to what the, the Vegas odds makers think or maybe even casual fans think that a top 10 team might be able to beat Kansas more than four or five touchdowns here at home. So we'll see what happens with Kansas football coming up. The Jayhawks 2-3 and three, taking on undefeated West Virginia coming up in a top 10 matchup. Carter Stanley getting his second star for the Jayhawks after a nice statistical performance a week ago. Thanks for checking out the Sports Beat KC podcast. Be sure to tune in for another episode next week.